If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, we're going to start Matthew chapter 8. Actually, we're not going to start there. I want you to, to mark it in your Bible there. Matthew chapter 8, just kind of hold that, verse 5. That was good, Lisa. Thanks for leading us. That was a great time in God's presence. Anybody feel good to soak in God's presence? It's good to, it's good to just get in His presence. I get out of whack when I don't get in God's presence enough. I start being a different person in a bad way. <laughs> Change is not good in that, in that uh, instance. Uh, it says, we're cha- as we look at Him, as we behold His presence, it says we're changed from glory to glory. So there's the good kind of change going on when we're in His presence, when our inner gaze is focused on Him. Well, today I, wanna, I just want to kind of tag team off of a message from two weeks ago. Uh, I know I've been kind of flip-flopping. We've been talking about prayer, uh, and a couple weeks ago... Uh, Last week we talked about the power of agreement in prayer, that God has given us power when we come together in agreement, that there's things that happen, that there's things that release when we, that it's like a symphony, it's like an orchestra being played together, that we're in agreement. We may not be saying the same exact words, but our hearts are singing the same song. And so, um, and two weeks ago we talked about the fourth dimension of prayer, which is the prayer of declaration, and we talked about authority. And, you know, as I said a couple weeks ago, authority has been stirring in my heart for a while. I feel like God's just saying, you need to, you need to understand authority. You need to understand what it means to, to walk in my authority. You need to understand what it means to have my authority. And then you need to understand how to use my authority. And you remember we talked about uh, uh, Elijah calling down the rain, or stopping the rain, first of all, and then calling down the rain, that he was operating in God's authority. He was... He was receiving orders from God. He was receiving direction from the Holy Spirit. And then he was carrying that out. He was using the authority that had been given to him. And throughout the scripture in the New Testament, there's all kinds of discussion about authority. Uh, It's very interesting how much this word actually shows up. Uh, There's the word authority is the Greek word exousia. Okay, it's exousia. And it has to do with... um, Basically, authority, the right, or the right to rule, or the power to rule or reign. Um, and so there's God gives us power and authority, because you need both. You need both the authority and the power. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit, but he also says, look, you know, you have the authority that's from Jesus. And I want us to look at, um, you know, when, and we talked about, too, I'm, I'm trying to not get too far ahead of myself here and preach too much. Um, we talked about how when authority shows up, we, we act differently, right? We talked about uh, when uh, authority we know of is the police, right? When the, when the police shows up, and I know some of you are laughing, so I know why you're laughing. So when the, when the police show up, people act differently, right? When you're driving along the road and there's a, there's a cop car next to you, you suddenly are paying more attention to your speedometer. Don't say that you aren't. 
I know you all do it. You all look, you at least check and look down. I mean, maybe you're one of those people that checks all the time. You're always driving the exact speed limit. Or maybe you're one of those like free-spirited people that you just drive around. You have no clue what the speed limit is. You have no clue hardly what row you're on, you know. But, you know, but when there's a policeman, you kind of glance down because when, <laughs> there's a policeman. <laughs> When, when I, what I'm saying is, so when, when a cop car drives up next to you, there's a picture of authority next to you. And so what does that make you? It makes you check what's going on in your car to say, am I going the speed limit? Because the presence of authority changes everything. It changes how people act. It changes how people respond. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I am giving you spiritual authority. So where you show up, the demons are paying attention a little bit more. You know, when you show up in a situation and there's forces of evil, there's presences of, of, of wickedness, it says, look, hey, you have authority. So just like when a policeman shows up and knocks at your door, you're like, what did I do? You know, what's going on? You know, we're paying attention. The same thing happens in the spirit when we show up in a situation because we are the people of God and we have the presence of God in us, the Holy Spirit. And, it, and Jesus says, look, I have authority and I'm giving it to you. When Jesus sent out the, the disciples, what did it say? He says he gave them power. So he gave them the power of the Holy Spirit and authority over every sickness, over every disease, and over every demon. Because authority ultimately is the ultimate issue in a spiritual battle. Authority is the main issue in a spiritual battle. So if you are not walking in your authority you're going to lose a lot more spiritual battles because it's an issue of authority. You know, when I was, uh, when I was living in Austin, I had a young man living with us. His name was John. And he was a senior in high school. And his mom, for some reason, let him come live with two single, go- or, yeah, two single guys or whatever and you know, for his senior year of high school so he could stay in that school, uh, Leander High School, uh, just outside Austin. And so John was, uh, he, I think he was 18, but he still didn't drive. He, he didn't have his driver's license yet. And we lived right across from Leander High School. And so uh, I wanted to teach John to drive. And I had a, a nice, you know, five-speed stick. So he, he wanted to learn to drive a stick. So I said, hey, let's, he doesn't, he, remember, he doesn't have his license yet, okay? He does not, he, he does not have a license, I'm going to stand on this side now. <laughs> so he didn't have his license. And so I said, hey, let's just, I'll, let's just go over to the high school. And there's a big loop around the high school. And we can just, I can teach you to drive a stick over there. So, you know, we're not on the street, right? It's no big deal. Is it a big deal? Okay. <laughs> we're not on the street. So we go over there. And so I'm teaching John to drive a stick. You know what? And we're circling. Okay. And if, if we would have been thinking, okay, I was, a sing- I was single. I hadn't been educated by my wife. He hadn't been, you know, gotten great wisdom that marriage gives you. You know, we're driving around the high school. And then, you know, a couple times through, we're going, you know, John's doing pretty good. He kills it a couple times. But he's doing pretty good driving the stick. And so then, you know, third or fourth, or I don't remember how many times we drove around. We drive around that time, and then I notice there's, there's now another vehicle in the parking lot. And it's not uh, just a, you know, 
Not, not purple. It's, it's, it's not just a silver car. It's a black and white one. And it has like little lights on top. And <laughs> so uh, now we're, you know, the presence of authority is there. And, you know, immediately what I'm thinking is, oh, no. John doesn't have his license. And I'm like, I don't want him to get in trouble. This is totally my fault. <laughs> so the, the, the nice policeman, you know, kind of comes up behind us. And we just, we just decide wisely, go ahead and pull over, okay? Because for some reason it looks suspicious that a car was just driving circles around the high school on a weekend when there's no school going on and no one else is there. I don't know why that would be strange, but they pulled us over. So as soon as, you know, as soon as we, we pulled over, here's what I do. I have never uh, lost my mind before, but I almost lost my mind briefly. Immediately what happens when we pulled over, I throw open the door and I step out of the car. <laughs> okay? I can see my brother-in-law here is going like, uh-uh, uh-uh. He's, he's like, he's almost ready to, <laughs> he's almost ready to pull his gun on me right now. <laughs> so immediately what I hear from behind me is a megaphone. Do you have megaphones? Okay, so the, the megaphone or whatever <laughs> from the car behind me is, get back, please remain in the car. Get back in the car. And you know what? The voice of authority spoke to me. You know what I did? I got back in the car. <laughs> Closed the door. Because I was going to get out. What I was thinking was, I want to get out and explain to these guys, hey, I know he doesn't have a license, but it's my fault. I brought him over here to teach him to drive a stick. You know, please don't get... I didn't want him to get in trouble. But I lost my mind, and I almost jumped out of a car when I'm being pulled over by a cop. Totally, totally uh, losing your, your, your thinking there. But, see, the voice of authority immediately brought me back to attention. You know, when that megaphone went off, I mean, besides, you know need to change my shorts, I, I got back in the car. You know, I'm like, oh, and then I'm all, you know, you're all, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> but see, when someone speaks with authority, it can sometimes snap people back to reality. Oh, I wasn't even thinking. What, what am I doing in my life? And so that's why God says, look, hey, I've given you authority. So I want us first to look at the authority that Jesus has. So we're going to go through a lot of scripture here. We're going to shoot a lot of it on the screen here. But I want us to look at, we have to look at what authority Jesus has. And then how do we walk in that? How do we, how do we stay in that? It says, uh, let's go to, uh, we're going to go to Ephesians 1. Cooper, go to the Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. The other Ephesians. <coughs> do we have Ephesians 1, Corey? Oh, there it is, Ephesians 1. Okay, we're going to follow along here. If you want to turn there in your Bible, it's fine. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people or the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as his mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above, where is he? Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. 
And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So what did it say about Jesus? I know it's a long passage, but what did it say about where Jesus is in relation to authority? Talk to me. It says he is above every authority and every power, in fact. So where is Jesus seated? He is seated above any other authority or power. You know, at the end of Ephesians, of course, is the famous armor of God passage, you know, where it talks about this. And it says, look, our battle is not against flesh and blood. People are not our enemy. That's a good thing to remember. It's a great thing. People are not our enemy. It says spiritual forces and authorities and dominions of wickedness are our enemy. They are what's at work, and they cannot be addressed by getting angry. They cannot ad- be addressed by just getting loud. That has nothing to do with authority. Authority has to do what has been given to you and what is rightfully yours to do. Jesus is far above. Let's look at Colossians 2.10. Next one's Colossians 2.10. It says, And in Christ you have been brought to fullness... He is the head over every power and authority. And verse 15 says this, Colossians 2 and 15, this is what Jesus did on the cross, and having disarmed, in other words, taken the weapons away, he has disarmed the powers and authorities, and not only that, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So when Jesus died on the cross, he made a fool of the devil and every demon. He humiliated them. He completely rubbed their face in a piece of poop. It was extreme. It was dramatic. And it is powerful that he has all authority. 1 Peter 3 and 22. Sorry I said the word poop. Forgive me, Miss Dorothy. shouldn't say that. 1 Peter 3.22, who is gone into heaven, this is Jesus, and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Look, it's all saying the same thing, right? What is it saying? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Lord. You know, and what happens in Matthew 28... Before Jesus leaves, what does he say? Because he has already triumphed over the cross, he has triumphed over, the, over sin and death and the devil, and he's triumphed over the grave, he's been resurrected from the dead. Before he leaves, what does he tell his disciples? Matthew 28, it'll be up here. It says, all authority, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples all, all nations, baptizing them and in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Lo, I will be with you, therefore I am with you always, even until the end of the age. What does Jesus say? He says, I have all authority. So at that moment, he had all authority. Why did Jesus have to, say, have to go to the cross to get authority? Because we gave the authority away. Who was given authority over the earth? Adam and Eve. Humans were given authority. They released that authority to the devil. 
When they sinned, they said, we're not following God anymore. We are releasing our authority to someone else. Then what happens to the earth? All the bad stuff is released because the one in authority gave someone else the right to do it. So only a human could come back and rightfully take the authority on earth back. So Jesus, the Son of God, He had to come as a human being. He couldn't just come down as God and go bam, 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 pa, 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 and kick the devil's butt. He had to obey the order and the, and the rules that he set up, the order of the universe that said, I've given the earth to them. You know, God follows his own rules. It's the way he says, this is the way that's best. You know, I don't know why that is sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, God, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. But he says, look, that's why Jesus had to come as a man. That's why God became a human. And that's why the devil tempted him. Because if the devil could tempt Jesus as a human and have him give authority back to the devil again, it would be forever his. What does the devil say when... I know I'm preaching just randomly here, but when the devil comes to Jesus and tempts him, what does he say to Jesus? One of the temptations. He says this, I can give you all the kingdoms of the world. I have authority to give them. Now, I know the devil's a liar, so it was a little bit of a twisting, but there is some truth in there where, where Jesus knew that he was going to get back the authority for earth. And the devil was offering him a shortcut that did not go through the cross. In other words, you don't have to go through this suffering. I'll just give it to you. Now, it was a lie because if Jesus had given in, then all hell would have been forever broken loose with no chance to get out. So it was, I mean, the temptation of Jesus, when you read that passage, that is like the battle of the ages going on right there. Because I believe... Not everybody believes this, okay? Not every scholar believes this. I believe Jesus could have sinned. Because I don't think that he could really be human if he didn't really have the choice. In other words, it wasn't a pretend temptation. It's not really temptation if you can't choose it. If I'm being tempted by something, there's no way I'm really going to choose it. I can't even do it. That's not really a temptation to me. So I believe that Jesus had the possibility. Now, because he was God and perfect, he decided he's not going to do it. But he could have. And then God would have died, and who knows? Probably everything would just blow up, and we wouldn't be here today. Because then God would have sinned, and death would have come into him, and it would all be over. So there's a, there's a huge battle with the temptation of Jesus, but it's a battle on authority. And so Jesus took back authority by rightfully dying as a perfect sacrifice for sin. And so in doing that, he had the right, it says, to go to hell, to go to Hades, and take the keys of death and the grave. What do keys represent in Scripture? They represent authority. In other words, he took back when he was dead, the authority, and so when he rose from the dead, he beat death with this power of God, the Holy Spirit, it says that which he exerted in Christ when he was raised from the dead, then now he's seated far above with all authority and all power. And so he has the power over everything on earth. Doesn't mean God wasn't doing stuff, doesn't mean God didn't have power, doesn't mean ultimately that God still wasn't in charge, but the way God designed the earth... 
I mean, I don't know what it's like on Mars or Venus or Jupiter or all those, you know, if there's other planets with people on them. But on Earth, he said, humans, you're in charge. I release authority to you. And so I have to save you through that manner which I created it. Look at this scripture. It says, Colossians in 1 and 13. And then he invites us into salvation. For he says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. The word dominion there, that is the word exousia. It's the word authority. In other words, when you're saved, you've been rescued from the authority of darkness over your life. Before you become a believer in Jesus, darkness, the the devil, the enemies of God, demons, have authority over your life. And so you need someone to rescue you, to rescue you from sin. You know, sin is giving in to the authority of the devil. That's all it is. When we do something wrong, when we do something we know, we're giving him authority. We're giving authority to darkness. It says we've been rescued from that. And then it says in Ephesians 2 and 6, remember where Jesus is sitting. And it says God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So, where is Jesus? Far above. Everybody say far above. Far above all authority and power on the earth, okay, and in the universe. Where am I sitting as a child of God? Next to Jesus. So I am far above all authority, all rule, and all power. So that brings us to Matthew 8. So we've got, we understand this is the authority that Jesus has given us. That's big right there. That's huge. That is, that is amazing. And he says, look, all authority is in me, there go, therefore go. In other words, he was releasing them to go in his authority. He gave the disciples in Luke 10, 19. It says, I have given you authority and over all the power of the enemy. So we have that. If you're a disciple of Jesus, a child of God, he says, you have authority over the enemy. That brings us to the centurion who has this amazing understanding of authority. This is before Jesus died, and this is just in the ministry of Jesus. A man comes and has a revelation. Really, he understands uh, what it means to have spiritual authority. It says in Matthew 8 and verse 5, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. And Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And then it says in verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished. He was amazed. There's only three times that Jesus was amazed in Scripture. When Jesus heard this, he said to those around him, I tell you the truth, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the, into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, the people who thought they were right with God weren't really right with God and their end was going to be, they weren't going to be sitting next to all the saints in heaven. And then Jesus said to the centurion, go 
It will be done for you just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. So there's a huge connection here, first of all, that we see between faith and authority. What it, when he, when the, the centurion talks about authority, he says this, and then Jesus says, hey, you have great faith. So part of believing God for something is understanding our authority and then using it. I'm convinced that I myself, I don't understand God's authority to its full extent. I am not always walking in the confidence and the understanding of how he has made me to sit with him in heaven. I mean, if I, when, I'm, when you're praying, if you pictured yourself sitting next to Jesus, then prayer becomes just me turning my head and saying, Hey, Jesus, I need this. Or, Hey, Jesus, let's release this. And then, hey, what if I say something? Where am I sitting? If I declare something that God has led me to declare, if the Holy Spirit moves me, and I say, I begin to declare over this neighborhood peace, that's what I've been starting to declare over my neighborhood. I'm going to declare peace on my next door neighbors or move somebody else in. I'm tired of late night parties. I'm tired of the cops showing up. <laughs> Actually, I don't mind when the cops show up. But, you know, I'm going to declare peace in my neighborhood. I'm going to say, okay, God, if you're not going to, you know, in this neighborhood here, uh, there were some cops over, over at one of these houses and several times staking it out and like more than one. There's something going on there. So, Lord, get them saved. Let us have an influence in their life or send them out of here. I'm declaring that with your authority. We've done that before and people have moved out of the neighborhood. So we need to take authority in those situations. But there's a connection between faith and authority. But the centurion says something hugely important before he says what authority is. And I'd never, I don't think I'd ever made this connection before or understood the, uh, how huge it was. But before Jesus says anything, he says, the, the centurion says, I don't deserve for you to come on my roof, but say the word and my servant will be healed. And here's why he says that. He says it because he understands authority. For I myself am a man under authority. And I was like, Wow. And then he goes on to explain what he does. I tell a soldier to do this, and they do it. In other words, because he's in charge, the centurion was in charge of, a, I believe, a hundred or a thousand. I can't remember. Centos, hundred. Hundred soldiers. And so he was put in charge. He had authority to give them orders. But the reason his authority was effective was because he was under authority. Now, I begin to think on that and say, okay, Lord. Sometimes I pray and I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm all into it. And then nothing happens. And I felt like the Lord said, you're out of order. You're out of order. You have things that are out of order in your life. You are not under authority. And so when you are not under, operating under the authority that Jesus has given you, you may tell the demons to go and they're going to go, I don't know, I heard about Paul and I know Jesus, but who are you? Because part of me walking in my authority is being submitted to Jesus as the ultimate authority. So if there's a part of my life 
that is not ordered and under the authority of God, I have stepped out of being under authority and I have relinquished some of my authority in the situation. I was reading a, uh, a, a troubling uh, news flash this week. Uh, there was a very prominent worship leader, um, not super prominent, but if you've been, I, I've heard of this person and know who this person is. Uh, they've written songs, they've sold album, worship albums. Uh, she's a lady in her 30s. <clears throat> and this week she just dropped a bombshell on everybody. And, you know, I, I figured when I saw the headline, I figured what it was. And sure enough, she came out and said, uh, you know, I, I'm gay. And I'm not only am I gay, but actually I believe that the Bible says that that's okay. Now I'm not trying to get off on a I'm not trying to get off on a soapbox of of something. I'm just saying I was like, how can you do that? First of all, scripture is clear, it just says that's that's not the way it is. <laughs> it doesn't matter how we feel. I was born this way is not an excuse. In fact, we are all born sexually broken. We are all born sexually messed up. And we need something to change. Uh you know, just because I'm not a Dealing with homosexual feelings does not mean we don't deal with some stuff that's not natural, that's not normal. And we have to choose to allow that to come under the authority of Jesus. But what happens if I change my Bible? What does that mean? The Bible is no longer the authority in my life. Now, it's easy for us as Christians to point the finger, especially at the homosexual community, and say, and that's been done a whole lot too much in the church, you know, where nobody feels welcome in the people of God. You just hate us. And it's not true, but the way it's been presented is wrong, or it's been awkward, or it's been done, you know, some people have done it the wrong way, and all this stuff, whatever the case. But we do that sometimes with ourselves. We change the Bible... To match our experience. We say things are okay. That aren't okay in here sometimes. You know we we let things slide. That God doesn't let slide. And so what does that mean? I am no longer under God's authority. I'm not a person under authority. You see it all the time in the church. Where somebody marries somebody that's not a Christian. If you're a believer in Jesus... God's not going to call you to marry someone who's not a believer. It's clear in Scripture. It says, do not be unequally yoked. But there's all kinds of believers who say, well, 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 well. And then what are we doing? We are stepping out. We're doing the same thing this worship leader did. We're saying, no, God says it's okay. And we can even change. We'll go back, well, the Greek words really mean this or that. And you can find somebody that will tell you what you want to hear about the Bible. If you want to find someone to tell you that it's okay to do this and this and this and this, you can find somebody on the internet or on the radio or somewhere. They're going to tell you that's okay. That's not what the Bible really says. But in doing that, I've taken myself out of the authority 
out of under God's authority. Because then I'm saying, I'm the authority. I'm the one who decides right and wrong. And God says, no, this is the authority. Jesus is Lord. And his word, it says, is the word endures forever. The word of God will, the flowers fade and the grass withers, but the word of our Lord stands forever. So it doesn't change at all. So if I am then outside of God's authority, then I am no longer walking in my authority. And you know what? When I try to address things in the spirit, when I'm facing spiritual battles and I'm saying, no, 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 I don't have, I'm not, I don't have my authority. I, my life is out of order. And look, it may not be that big of a thing. I think of even marriages. This is, nobody's smiling anymore. <laughs> This is a challenging message, okay? Let's just be aware of that. It's okay to have a challenging message every once in a while, I think. Look, think about marriage. Is my marriage out of order? For those of you that are not married, you can kick back for a little bit and start smiling. But if my marriage is out of order, look, here's how my marriage can be out of order. As a husband, am I loving my wife as Christ loved the church? Am I laying my life down for her? Or am I being selfish and demanding and controlling? Giadidu said amen to that. (laughs) Because then what happens? I am out of order. I, I I have done things in the wrong way. Yeah, God says you're the spiritual authority in your home. And now I release you to be like Jesus. In other words, you get to be tender and loving and forgiving and sacrifice yourself for your wife. And if you're not doing that, you're out of order. You are not under authority. And in fact, you have opened yourself up to a different authority in your life. That is not from God. That is not from the Word of God. How many of you would like me to say something to wives right now? Don't raise your hand, men. Very smart. Wives, I'm just going from the Bible here, and my wife's not in here, so this is making me nervous a little bit. But wives, it says you must submit to your husbands as the spiritual authority in your home. If you try to take that over, you are out of order. You have, you have stepped out from under the authority of God, and you are now under another authority. Whether you think that's own or the enemy's, you are walking in something else when you are trying to control that and make that happen, or you are not abiding by what the Word of God says. You are saying, oh, it doesn't really mean that. It doesn't really mean that for me. Well, you don't know, you don't know how my husband acts. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say if your husband acts a certain way that you submit to him out of, as you submit to Christ. I'm not, let me make something clear. I'm not staying, staying in an abusive relationship. I'm not saying stay in a situation where you're in danger. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying don't get help. But I am saying in a Christian marriage, there's mutual submission and there's a submission of a wife that says, I am honoring you as I honor Jesus. And it's out of your faith and trust in Jesus that you can submit to someone else. I mean, Scripture even says, hey, we've got to submit to each other. It says, submit yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ. What is that? What is submission an issue of? It's an issue of authority. When the police show up, I, I don't know much about police, but I've heard a lot more about them recently. Um, they have authority to do certain things. And they will ask you to do it. If you don't do it, they will then tell you to do it. They will, they will strongly and 
you know, say, do, you know, do this now. Just like when I was getting out of the car, get back in the car. I mean, it wasn't like an, it was, they weren't asking me. It, they were telling me. And then if after you refuse to be told and you don't respond to the authority, you will be made to respond to the authority of the police. They will arrest you and take you away if you are doing something wrong because they have the right and the authority to do that, to enforce the order that has been placed for our city and our state and our country. Same way for us. Uh, we have authority from Jesus. We have been given orders from Him, and we are meant to enforce the order of God in our sphere of influence. But if I am compromised in my personal life, then I am not able to walk in my authority. If there is a cop who's selling drugs on the side, when he shows up to arrest the drug dealers, I don't know what's going to happen. That's not, eventually, that's not going to be a good situation. There's going to be something that comes out and they're, they're going to relinquish their authority and they're going to end up under the rule and power of the authority they'll be put in prison. They'll have lost their authority. And it's the same for us. I don't know what area, areas of our life are out of order. But if my life is not in order, in other words, if God speaks to me and says something, sometimes you know how God comes to you and says, hey, you need to stop that. Okay, and we're not even talking about something written in the Bible here. Okay, I'm going to assume that everything in the Bible, God says, hey, this is it. Okay, There's, I'm, not, I'm not changing my mind. I've already, I thought this was important enough to write down. So here's the deal. But he'll also come to us personally and say, hey, you know that attitude you have towards your boss? You know how you're talking bad about your boss? Um, that needs to stop. And in fact, in Hebrews, it says, hey, let's shoot. Do we have Hebrews up there? Cooper, Hebrews 13. You know, another way that we get out of order in our lives, it's not Hebrews 13, is it? I'm put, I wrote the wrong one down. <laughs> let's see what it is. Is it Hebrews 14? Is it Romans? Uh-oh. Oh, it's Romans 13. I'm sorry, I wrote down the wrong thing. So it won't be up there. Romans 13 says, Everyone, is that you? Everyone? Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So in other words, if I'm, not, if I'm fudging on my taxes, my life is out of order. Well, that income didn't really... I don't really have to report that. I'm out of order. God doesn't say, hey, if you have a good president, go ahead and pray for him and submit to his authority. That's not what it says in the Bible. I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to do that, or I'm going to do this or that. I mean, see, there's so many small areas of our lives where we just kind of, we kind of say, it doesn't really say that. God, you didn't really say that, did you? Sometimes God comes to us and says something that's not in the Bible, you know, just says, hey, I want you to quit watching that TV show, or I want you to, I want you to start doing this. I want you to get up early and, and pray over your family, or I want you to lay hands on your house every, every night before you go to bed and speak a blessing. 
or thank God for his protection. I don't know what it is, but as soon as I am in disobedience where I say, oh, that's not that important, God. I've now out of order. And so I'm not going to operate in my authority. Then later when I'm praying for someone, I'm going, by the authority of Jesus, I command you to be healed. We're out of order. I'm no longer under authority, and so I have forfeited my right to sit far above. And I'm not saying we like jump back and forth. I'm just saying that when we are not under authority, I think this man speaks something important. He says, look, I am under authority so, because I understand authority. And the more I place myself under God's authority, the more I'm going to be able to operate in His authority because I understand what it means to be under authority, to submit to someone who is greater than me. Then I'm better able to allow the enemies of God to submit to me. Sin in my life, the enemy, uh, spirits that come and attack me, whatever it may be. Voices in your head that are not yours, that are not from God. Hey, look, we need to take authority over those because ultimately... Everything is an issue of authority. And if I don't use my authority, first of all, I've got to know I have it, but then I need to use it. If I'm a child of God, I need to use my authority. I need to use my authority for the good of others. Paul says, I have authority. I'm using it to build you up, not to tear you down. So I want to use my authority to build someone else up. You know, when we talk bad about somebody else, I'm using my authority to tear someone down. I am now using my authority to gossip or speak bad of someone else. So I'm a person of authority and now I am tearing them down. I'm using that authority to tear someone down. I'm out of order. And the only way this happens is we've got to have a revelation that we're out of order. I mean, some of us, sometimes we know. You know, sometimes you know when you're like, there's that area that you're like, eh, and you kind of keep wandering, like, and you end up, oh, no, God, uh, did God really say, you know, and then that's always a bad question to say, you know, did God really say, because that's like the first quote from the devil in the Bible, <laughs> did God really say, <laughs> I don't want to use that one, Lord, I don't want to say, did, did you really say that, uh, you know, we can go back and forth, and so I just feel like God's just encouraging us today, I know it's been extensive, a lot of scriptures, a lot of explanation, but I am saying, God is saying to me, hey, get your life in order. And it doesn't mean there's some huge thing out of whack. It doesn't mean you're out doing whatever the worst sin you can think of is. It just might mean an area of, hey, there's an area in my life where Jesus is not Lord. If there's an area of my life where Jesus is not Lord, then I'm out of order. I'm no longer a person under authority. I'm saying... I don't need that. So let's stand. I just want us to just kind of ask God. This is not a time where God's going to reveal everything to us. It's just a time for us to have it on our minds and hearts and say, okay, Holy Spirit, I want you to start talking to me. Start speaking to me. So even right now, Lord, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to highlight any areas that, that are out of order in our life. Lord, I don't know, I don't know what those may be. I, let you, I will let you speak to your children, Lord. We just ask for you to come. And continue to reveal to us, Lord, anything that's out of order. Lord, we don't want to continue to walk out of order so that we end up way down the road and where we're saying, well, the Bible doesn't really say any of that. Uh, Lord, that, that takes us step by step by step by step by step of walking away from you and closing off our hearts and saying, Jesus, you're my Savior, but not my Lord. No, it says in the Bible, Lord God, that we are to say, confess Jesus as Lord. 
That's an issue of authority, Lord. So we submit to your authority in our lives. We submit and say, this is the word of God. We submit to the scriptures as God's word that it has authority on my life. Lord, help us, remind us of scriptures. If there's things where our lives are out of order, it may just be in attitudes. It may be, it may be in careless words. It may be in the way we treat our kids. It may be in the way we treat our boss at work or a coworker. It may be with our spouse. It may be in another relationship, God. But we're, if we're out of order, bring us to bring that to light, God. Bring it to to the light of our hearts, Lord. Reveal that to us. We're just saying, Lord, we don't want that. Lord, our our deepest desire, Lord, is to follow you and to have you Lord of our lives. So we invite you, Jesus. To come just gently shine the light. Just gently shine the light and say, hey, this is, this is out of order. We're not going to move forward. You're not going to see the fullness of my authority and the power that I've given you be released in your life until you submit this to me, until you get your life in order. And so, Holy Spirit, we're asking you. You're the only one who can do this. Holy Spirit, you search us. We don't need to search ourselves. We don't need to try to find something wrong with ourselves. That's not our job. We say, Holy Spirit, you search us. Loving God, God of all authority and power, we submit to you. You are Lord of my life. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Jesus, you're Lord of my life. We just thank you, Lord, for continuing to speak to us. Lord, it's not about just this moment. It's about walking with you day by day where we hear your voice and we order our lives, Lord, where we're walking under your authority. Lord, and I am believing that we will see a greater release of of the power that is in your authority in our lives when we pray for other people, Lord, when we pray, when 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 we minister to someone, Lord, when we share with someone our lives, there'll be an authority. Just like when Jesus was on earth, it says, everybody was like, man, he's talking with, with authority. There's something different. Lord, and we want to have that on our lips, Lord. There's authority just in our love. That it's not a, it's not a cheap love. It's not a fake love. It's not just because we have to. It's like we, we have the compassion of God on our hearts. And then we can walk in your authority and release your kingdom and your healing in your life. We ask you to do that in our lives. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, if you agree, amen. All right, we'll be blessed. And... We will see you on Wednesday, if you're here.